Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Coliseum Wrestling with Romans. And friends, we are in the thick of it as we dive into Romans 6, verse 1 through 8, verse 11. So um, as always, we, we don't start by reading this chunk of scripture. So if you're tuning in and you haven't read that portion yet, go ahead and hit pause go read those chapters and come back um, and join the discussion. Um, But I am really excited to talk about the crazy rhetorical structure Paul is using to try to make these arguments about the law, life, death, the spirit, and how that impacts our daily lives. Um, This conversation would not be what it is without having great conversation partners. So I will first introduce myself. My name is Haley Eccles. I am the uh, campus pastor at Campus City Wesley Foundation, where I get to serve on the ground at UNF and at Flagler and connect with college-age young adults, support and uh, learn a lot from them. Um, And I'm joined by two of our newest leadership members who have just been really wonderful humans to get to know. Um, So I am going to uh, let them introduce themselves. And then we will also be answering a fun question, fun um, being a relative term. Um, But given that Paul is so interested in death in this section, I thought it'd be fun to answer the question, what would your last meal be? And my last meal would be uh, breakfast for dinner. It would be, um, I don't know if anyone has ever been to the Flying Biscuit. There's one in Gainesville and there's one in North Carolina, but they have these creamy, dreamy grits that are basically sugar and heavy whipping cream and cheese and all of the, the good stuff. Um, I also love a good breakfast skillet from, uh, first watch with potatoes and avocado and eggs and hot sauce and vegetables and stuff. And, um, and then I would have to, uh, drink it with a mimosa. It wouldn't be complete about it. So that would be my last meal. Um, I am going to allow Annalise to introduce themselves. So Annalise. Uh, hi, I'm Annalise. Um, I'm a freshman at UNF and I'm studying psychology and sociology. Um, and yeah, I just joined leadership and it's been a pretty wonderful experience. And my last meal would um, probably be a deep dish Chicago style pizza, specifically from this place called uh, Giordano's. That's a mostly northern chain. So I like almost never get it. Chicago style. That's awesome. Um, well, thank you, Annalise. So glad that you're joining us and also joining us is Anna. So Anna, if you'll introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Anna and I am a freshman at UNF. I am a CCW leader and my last meal would either be something ironic based on how I'm dying because I'd have to know I'm dying for it to be my last meal or alternatively like one bite of every single, like of all of my favorite foods. So I can have like just a little bit of everything. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I do love a good like buffet smorgasbord style meal. Um, so definitely a great option. Would love to know some ironic meals. Like we'll just have to come up with some scenarios. Maybe that could be our next PowerPoint night. Um, you know, just throwing it out there. And then our guest today is Corey. Corey is, uh, well, Corey Markle. Corey serves you can call on me Corey, our Corey, if necessary. <laughs> board. He serves on our local board um, for CCW and um, has been known uh, throughout our area as also someone who formerly worked as a youth director. Um, so we have some connections there and it's just really great to have you continuing to support uh, young adults um, and so Corey, if you'll introduce yourself and update people on what you're doing now, and then also let us know what your last meal would be. Awesome. Well, thank you, Haley. Um, these have all been really good, uh, last meal, uh, recommendations already. Um, but I'll save mine. Um, I'm really tempted though, to try out some of Anna's recommendations for ironic meals though. So anyways, my name's Corey. Um, I am a longtime, um, fan of CCW and UNF. I actually uh, graduated from UNF in 2012. I got my bachelor's of science in electrical engineering. And as Haley mentioned, I then proceeded to use it in youth ministry for about eight years. <laughs> uh, it's funny how God works, um, but I definitely feel like I used it really well um, in many odd ways, but also really fun ways too. Uh, nowadays, um, no longer in youth ministry, I now work in um, commercial insurance um, out in uh, Yulee, up right north of Jacksonville, Florida. And um, I love it. It's actually one of those nerdy things that you never would dream of doing. But um, when you hit your 30s, you become a boring adult and you just realize I need to find something that will pay the bills. And um, I found um, a really good office and a lot of great people work there. But, you know, working um, also just out of you know having a heart for ministry, um, I really enjoy also plugging into CCW still because uh, while I was at UNF, I actually was part of CCW as a student. Um, and I really love seeing where we're at now, um, not just with Derek's leadership, but also now Haley's leadership. Um, so it's really something. Um, so I think that's enough introductions for me, um, for now at least. Um, last meal, I would definitely have to go um, homemade um, on my answer. My mother made this really great recipe for uh, meatloaf. And when I say meatloaf, I don't think everyone in their head is already thinking, wow, vomit. No, absolutely not. Cause it's one of those most like bland kind of foods, like what a waste of perfectly good ground beef and whatever else your family maybe threw into it. Um, but I would just say that because it was such a fun meal that my mom made all, I would say at least once a month. And it reminds me of her. Um, and I definitely um, have learned how to make it, but it's never going to be as good. Um, so yeah, just because it's such a, a wholesome meal in my heart, I definitely always enjoy that one and would not mind having one last bite of it as my last meal. Well, I love it. No judgment on whatever yeah, meal needs to be. <laughs> so we are going to dive into this conversation on Romans. And so uh, just a reminder that this, it's really hard to have a conversation about just portions of this book. This is one long letter, one continuing argument, but because it's really hard for us to hold all the pieces of that long argument in just like a short period of time. We're also breaking it up um, in those kind of manageable sections. 
So in the first part of Romans, like Paul is making this argument about who God is, about who we are and who Jesus is. And so now we're getting into this kind of Venn diagram overlapping section of how those relationships work together, who God is to Jesus, who we are to God, who Jesus is to us, and how all of that is going to work together. And it comes through this really odd rhetorical structure where Paul is basically like asking the question he knows everybody is wanting to know and then answering it and then asking another question and just doing this thing that was very common at the time to try to arrive at a way of life by kind of cutting off all the branches that you might be thinking you could go down. Um, so we'll, we're seeing a lot of that happening in six, um, one through eight, 11. We also are kind of cutting off the argument. I think a little bit before it gets to the best parts. So please come back for the next episode and the rest of chapter eight, a um, lot of good stuff for us in there. Um, so we're just going to start by talking about what we liked about the passage. And for me, um, this always is like where I felt somewhat welcomed in the passage, where I started to feel a little bit of hope in the passage or um, just something reflected. So for me, a lot of the challenges have come in Romans have come because there are parts of it that have been used um, in really like specific ways. Specifically, I'm thinking about the the idea of the Romans road. And if you grew up in an evangelical background where you had to memorize those kind of five verses that walk through Romans and how to kind of become a Christian, one of them is in this section in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. What's been really cool about reading Romans kind of straight through is reading that verse in its context. And so the thing I liked was verse 22. It says, but now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life. Um, and the reason I liked that is because in the, in the way I grew up, um, Eternal life might've been the end, but we didn't really think about what happened in the middle. The most important thing was to get people to the end. And it didn't really necessarily matter about like the means and manipulation that you might get so that people might um, pray that prayer of salvation and feel like they were going to get this gift of eternal life. But to hear the advantage you get is sanctification and that like really the life in God is something that is of great value to us was really um, a new thing for me to see, not rushing to the end of eternal life, but stopping through the middle of why sanctification is important, which is a really big word, but this idea around life with God as being something that we get to experience in the here and now. Um, so that's what I liked. Um, Anna, what did you like? So I liked how when like 
Paul wrote this, right? It was mm-hmm. okay. So when Paul like would leave off with like a question and then answer it, like from the first place is it apparent is when like he says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And that's um talking about something that he talked about in chapter five, which was how grace increases with sin and then he answers it no we shouldn't do that and i like how it's just like all neatly wrapped up it's very aesthetically pleasing <laughs> and i realize that it's not not like a bible thing but it like an aesthetic choice i just like it but yeah no we should we should look for the aesthetics of the of reading our scriptures i like that Yeah, I think that it's a really important way that we can feel welcomed in the text. And I, I also really like to imagine just how animated he was getting when he was writing. Um, My version says like, by no means, but like, definitely not whatever he wrote, like you just, I don't know, you could see that in all caps on Facebook or something. Uh, Corey, what did you like? So I definitely liked the pseudo back and forth that Paul presents uh, the scriptures as it's almost as if he is arguing with himself um, because he knows the answer to his own, you know, propositions, you know, when he says stuff, you know, about, you know, the, the wagers of, you know, sin is death, you know, well, what should we do then? Should we just give up and not do anything? He's like, no, of course not. And Anna, you kind of said this and I, and I, and I, I agree how he's just, He's going back to things that he's already referenced. He's, I just like his authoritativeness and I like that he is willing to explore. He's, he's willing to allow the room's questions to be breathed and answered out loud. Um, instead of just saying, Hey, do this, do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. He's actually talking about, you know, maybe the questions we might have. It's like, I mean, that's an actual question. Like, Hey, if we're not supposed to sin anymore, well, and you know, what do I do? Like, I'm just going to keep sinning. Right. I have, I have no other options. And so he's 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 trying to reach us, I would say, in that confusion. And I and I like it. I like that he is also very authoritative, um, too. And um it's a very weird, you know, but edifying piece of scripture. You know, he's doing a lot of digging and you can kind of get lost in it. Um, but I having chewed on it, you know, for at least the last decade, not every day, of course, but you know, looking at it every now and again, it, it gets easier to digest. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love when we hear like echoes of the things we like and what other people's when other people liked. And then um I am I'm interested to hear more about challenges around authoritativeness, but I really I think that that is something that uh we can value from that confidence that comes there. Um so yeah, Annalise, what about you? What did you like? Um I love the uh the imagery of baptism that um paul brings up um and that like 
through the motions of baptism and like like the actual physical action of like being lowered into the water and then raised out of it um we like are physically striving to be more like um god um and how that begins like the journey of our faith um and then that relates to what he's saying um about how like just because we have grace doesn't mean we should continue to sin um and that uh our our choosing not to sin isn't because uh we are told not to sin we aren't like it's not part of the law but we are actively choosing to be more like god because we want to um and so i know like uh there are a lot of a lot of churches that like would be more more works based that would be like we have just exchanged the old law for a new law and even my old church like leaned towards being workspace but actually um my my mother equipped me very well um always kind of referencing um i guess specifically romans 8 like 5 through 8 ish um that like people who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires and so like once we decide to um be like sons and daughters of christ we also long for goodness and so it's it's not about like wanting to do what's right because we have to but like genuinely desiring uh what is good so much to respond to First of all, I love that you snuck two likes in there. Cause I'm just going to say, I might have to sneak two challenges in the next one, but that's like, I love that. Um, and I, I wish we had more time to break down just the conversation around baptism, because I do think that when we look at like the baptism liturgy, water signifies death just as much as it signifies life. And I think we think more about the life part, but that we also remember that like God swept over the chaos in the beginning and that, um, like that, that water can have this like mixed blessing. So remembering those two things are really, um, really good. Um, and then yes, your second, like in the, um, I really, appreciate setting your mind on the spirit. I feel like I might come back around to that in the future. So we've got to dive in to the challenges and I do have you kicking this one off, Annalise. So go for it. Be ruthless. Um, <laughs> I, um, it's funny cause the, the verse that I feel like stood out to me as a challenge also is slightly comforting in and of itself. Um, so it's um, chapter seven, verses 14 through 20, um, when Paul is talking about um, how he desires to do good, but he does what he hates. And uh, he, he like hates what he does, but he can't do what he wants to do. Um, and the idea that like, temptation is is so present uh and so strong uh it can be like uh very discouraging especially for um someone who is uh tends to be very like a perfectionist 
Um, I hate the idea of like falling short um, and not getting things 100% right the first time. Um, and so it sort of calls me out on my own inaction. Um, but also there's, there is comfort in that as well, because like Paul was specifically called by God and he himself struggled uh, and still, you know, did impactful things. Uh, and so there is, it's, it's a hard verse because it's so true, <laughs> but there is also hope in it. Yes. I feel like this is one of those verses that like creeps into my mind all the time and it can be around really like silly things. Like, um, I think we're at that point in the year where a lot of people who made new year's resolutions have now realized that thing they really wanted to do. They actually aren't able to do. And the thing that they really didn't want to do is the thing they're just going to keep on doing no matter how hard they try. Like I can think about that around like choices I'll make around like nutrition or lifestyle things that can feel really hard in the moment. Um, And I think it's an interesting thing to point out. It wasn't the verse that I had necessarily pinpointed, but I think it, it goes well with my challenge because so much of what Paul is laying out. um, And I question how much of it is necessarily in the text's intention because Paul lived in a very different world from us. But so much of what it's laid, what has been laid out feels very individualistic. And that salvation feels like a very individual reality that kind of comes down to the individual person choosing Christ and through Christ being guided in what they should do as individuals in life. So a lot of the ways that Paul is defining sin, um, even the ways that he says in like verse uh, chapter seven, verse seven, um, if I had not, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. A lot of the, the ways he's saying that make me think about very individual choices. Um, and yet, Uh, one of the only sins that has been denounced in the United Methodist book of discipline for our Methodist nerds out there is the sin of racism, which is not necessarily individual choices, although individual choices are a part of racism, but is also a systemic reality and a reality of the brokenness of our world um, that I don't think necessarily highlights in the framework that Paul has set up. So I think it's like this challenge that leads to a question of if it is about becoming a people and a community. um, And if we do believe that there is something salvific in the ways that we relate to one another, then how does this framework apply Um, to the fact that sin, yes, is some of those individual choices and us doing things that we, that maybe we shouldn't do, 
but is also something that is kind of in the DNA of humanity and, and is about systemic realities as well, um, and ways that we relate to one another. So just, just a small challenge. (laughs) Just a little one. Just a little one. I don't know. What about you, Corey? You can bring it back to the ground. I don't know. I, I thought you did a really good job putting it all out there, Haley. Um, I don't really have, you know, something that crazy. Um, I, I, I will get a little bit more personal with mine. Um, I had mentioned that I really enjoyed Paul's, you know, deliberate challenge to us, the readers or the listeners in his time to um, to not stick to the, the law as the be all end all, but to really find life in, in the Christ and in, in God made flesh and, and what he is representing to all of us and what could be um, because the law was there for a reason, but now here comes Jesus. So let's, let's, let's continue moving forward and not staying stuck in the law. Um, Annalise, you had said that you were a perfectionist. Well, I will commiserate with you and in, in the beauty and the, and in, in the, and the beastliness of being a perfectionist for your own like in, internal turmoil um, as a perfectionist, I also tend to, you know, want the best for others, but have a hard time pointing it inward and realizing that I'm also just as fallen as 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 what I may be seeing in front of me, or probably even worse, like the other scripture of, you know, pulling out the log of my eye before I point out the speck in my, other, in my neighbor's eye. Um, one of the scriptures to get to kind of focus on for me here was the um, the one about, <laughs> funnily enough, the beginning of, of chapter seven was when Paul was talking about. Um, married women um, being bound by a lot of their husband. And um, if the husband were to die, um, well, sh- should the sh- should the wife no longer marry? Um, the law would say no. Like she she was at the time, she was, you could say, air, I'm putting air quotes up for those of you who are just listening, uh, property of the husband. And if the husband has died, well, she just sits there like a bump on a log, technically, according to the law. Um, Paul is saying that, no, there is life, you know, continuing beyond just what the law says. And uh, that wife should be, um, who is now a, a widow, should have that right to move forward in her life and even meet another person. And that's, you know, basically how we live nowadays. And I can agree with that. But what's funny is, you know, I look at my own personal life and I say, well, how would that look in my life? Well, my dad and my mom, they've been married for, you know, all of my life. And I'm in my early 30s now. Well, my mom, unfortunately, she passed away. Um, about two years ago. And um, despite how, you know, horrible that was, you know, my family has been getting through that. Well, I look at the scripture and here we are thinking and talking about it. I, I want to say that my dad can continue living his life and live out what Paul is saying. It's like, oh yeah, keep going. You know, you are, you are not stuck, you know, in, in just one way you've lived that chapter. And Paul is saying, here is your next chapter, continue moving as Christ will have you live. But here I am trying to be like, no, it needs to be like pure and we need to keep mom, you know, like the only person in your life, dad. Like, what are you talking about? And I didn't say that to my dad. It's just me and my heart uh, having these perfectionist like battles with myself. Like, I want my dad to be happy, but also, no, my dad only belongs with my mom. He shouldn't do that. What are you talking about? So that kind of stuff helps me commiserate a little bit more with with who Paul is talking to. These are people probably who, just like myself, want to do the right thing, but maybe struggle with the reality that we can't just live by a book. We can't just live by, you know, what is carved on a stone because life isn't predictable. 
you know, I mean, I wouldn't have predicted, you know, what happened to my mom, you know, like a long time ago and just life happens. But I think Jesus is giving us this, you know, this direction that allows us to take life as it comes and move forward. And same thing with my dad, you know, and he's, he's able to move forward. And even if, and if I'm not there yet, you know, that's okay. There's where that grace will, will fill in the gap uh, between those two situations. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Like, that personal nature, because so many times these challenges can be things that are more about where is this actually triggering? Like I've got something that the spirit is working out in me about what freedom actually looks like. Yeah. Um, in scripture, when you read it, it yeah. should bring that out. So yeah. And I, I mean, does that. I, I'm, I also like that section of the scripture was kind of one of those where I was like, Hmm, like, I don't know if I could touch that. So bringing that to a personal example is really helpful uh, in that conversation. Um, and I would love to hear what your challenge was. So, um, I don't, so you know how I said that I like some of Paul's writing choices earlier? Well, this one is not one of them. Um, I am use. this is an exact quote. I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. And I, I get using example for everyday life to like generalize it to everyone. But like, and this could be a translated thing. Paul sounds like a jerk here, just like majorly rude. And like, I don't know, it just annoyed me. And I was annoyed at several other parts, but I did not highlight them. So I cannot remember, but it's just like, I don't know. Yeah, I I, it, I don't know why, but it kind of reminds me in chapter one, where he's like, I can't wait to see you so that I can encourage you. I mean, I mean, so that we can encourage each other, actually, because y'all are encouragement to me, too. It's like almost like he can't help himself. Like there's just this part of him that's like, no, that's my personality. I've been told to tone it down. But like, I also, it kind of sneaks out sometimes. I don't know. Every once in a while, Paul just writes something that's like, I'm better than you. And then like, I just like, I'm sure this might not be like an actual thing. It actually could be, but like, everybody. Has... Yeah. I just. You don't have to say it, Paul. Come on. Yeah. Uh, just annoying. Give us a break. I really love that. Thank you so much, Anna, for your challenge. We move from a place of challenge to blessing. And the the this question kind of evolved from this passage in Genesis where like Jacob wrestles with God and demands a blessing. And sometimes we have those challenges where uh, we wrestle and we wrestle and the blessing is harder to find, but knowing that sometimes the blessing actually comes from going through the challenges and not by going around them. So I'm curious about what blessings you found in the text, whether they were harder to find or not, and, um, and just kind of what you're walking away with. So I'll let you start, Anna. So um, this is going back to something that Corey said but how Paul is like, you don't have to follow 
the laws all the way, all the time. Like they're not always right. I'm not a big rule follower. And like, I mean, I am, but I'm also not. I'm a rule follower when somebody's not like, you should follow the rules. But like, um, when somebody t sits me down and says, you have to do this and this and this and this and this. I'm like, no, but do I really? And it's a whole thing, but I like how it's like, you don't have to follow the laws. You have to know why the laws are there and follow the meaning of them sort of thing. Like realizing that there's more than just black and white, that there's all sorts of shades of gray because like laws are, imperfect like especially if you're communicating them to just like people so because there's no like way that you can write something that it will be universal for everyone at all times like um like a general law that you think like is really great like you shouldn't murder people that's like Right? Everyone thinks it's like a good law to have in most societies or whatever. But what if somebody's attacking you and you don't mean to, but like they were attacking you and you needed to like defend yourself? Then and then those shades of gray are something that I do like. Yeah. I'll um I'll I'll follow up with you after you, Anna. Um I, I really like how you're pointing out there's a purpose for the law is to define like what's you know black and what's white you know like the distinction of the two and how to tell them apart the uh, the the cruel irony of it all is that we live in the middle we live in the gray you know we like there really is no truly good probably and, and i would honestly say no truly evil person we're all some varying shades of, of both and and um paul you know what what is a blessing for me to answer your question Haley, what's a blessing to me is, is to is to be validated that that's okay. Um, in Paul's writing, he's talking a lot about we are dead to the law. You know, the law, the law has filled its purpose by establishing that we will never measure up on our own actions. You know, the law has basically said, you know, um, you're done. Like you're never going to be good enough on your own actions. But then Paul follows up and says, So therefore, you are alive in Christ. You know, there is so much gray in this world, and I think Christ thrives in that you know he, he he doesn't need things to be so rigid and uniform and structurally sound you know like a building or whatever i know there's actually another analogy for jesus and building stuff but we'll, we'll ignore that one for now i think jesus lives in this like this turbulent like ocean of gray where everyone's just flopping around and, and panicking you know because there's no you know like what am i doing what's going on um, i'm not going to be good enough um, and jesus basically holds out his hand and picks you up and he just says, it's okay, we're going to walk this walk, we're going to figure it out. And it's not this, it's not this race to, to immediately win either. It's a marathon. It's a, it's a patience game. And, and, and Jesus is trying to ask us to follow him, not to finish, you know, but to, to continue going. And so we're going to catch other people, you know, we're going to catch other people who maybe are still caught in, in, in the law game, you know, we're trying to, you know, be good enough by our own standards. And, by what we think is good enough, but we're never going to get there. And and we can be examples, you know, of what it looks like to be dead to the law, but alive um, in Christ. Also, an addition sort of thing is like, um, it isn't exactly law, but um, from my knowledge, God has given like human societies 
governments and leaders. And every single time God has done that, they have inevitably gone bad, like every single time without fail. There has been no leader, no government that God has put in place that is still functional today. And that did not like collapse under like people's own greed and like turning bad because they had so much power. Like even like David, do you remember like um, slaying whatever? Um, he did some not good people stuff. And yeah, it's so like, it shows you that like, even God like can't make, because we're fluid. We keep changing, we keep growing as much as we stay the same. We do keep changing. And so laws have to change with us, if that makes any sense. Like, so like having a rigid commandment of laws that we always have to follow, like going to church at a certain time, the blood tent for women, it doesn't always flow with like society norms and stuff like that. So, yeah. Gosh, I really would love to have like a whole tangential conversation about this because I am, am thinking about so many things that I'm geeking out over. So I'm going to make like a couple plugs for people who do want to continue this conversation. So one is I really love the podcast, the Bible for normal people. And they had a conversation about the historical David and they likened him to like a mafia Don in his time. And I'm just telling you, it's a really amazing argument and I love every bit of it. So just if you want to think about rulers and leaders and David, you should definitely check that out. Um, And then uh, I think there is something about the way that what Jesus does, part of the relationship that's built is like a trust and understanding what's behind the law. And so you can kind of think of, if you think of God as an, as a parent of a growing civilization, um, which is one way to view God, then it's like in those early moments when you're a toddler civilization, And your parent is telling you no, and you ask them why. And a lot of times it's like, because I said so. There's not a lot of conversation about the reasoning behind it. But then as you get older, you get to know a little bit more about what's behind those things. And it's just kind of funny. I'm thinking specifically about um, Eli's four-year-old self being like, mom, can you tell me why you're saying no? You know, anyway, but it's like this feeling of like trust and connection to get to know what's behind a thing. And it also gives us the ability to choose and live into life versus just following the thing that's trying to, to give us that way. I don't know. I'm going on a long digression just because I'm really excited about those things and blessing. And I also don't want to miss Annalise's. So go for it. Well, mine's actually very similar. Um, I really latched on, I guess, specifically to Romans eight verses nine and 10, 
um, and the idea that we're not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. Um, and uh, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you, uh, so like we, we will struggle with sin. We'll con- like we have, can- we have struggled. We will continue to struggle, um, but that doesn't uh, leave us any less worthy of God's love. Um, and we don't lose our place as his children. Uh, we do good because the spirit lives in us and we wish to be like Christ. Um, and this goodness also like leads us through life and keeps us in his presence, even when we fall short of that. Thank you, Annalise. I, um, my blessing also came from this section and I really struggled with naming the blessing because I feel like it develops so much more fully as you like continue reading Romans. And I feel like my mind just kept going to like dead and apart from, and like all those other words versus like the life side. But I really loved in verse six, the second part of it, where it says to set the mind on spirit is life and peace. And I just, I felt those words like deep in me, like the need for life and the need for peace. Um, and yeah, it does just feel like going to the source, drinking deeply from the well, being able to like be in the place where, um, yeah, I think the law is meant to provide some boundaries because of what is happening in the mind of God. But when you go to that place, it gives you, it just opens up so much of the gray and the gradients of what is around us and what can be life and peace. So that was my blessing. I have really loved this conversation. I am really enjoying Romans and diving in with all of you. Um, I would love um, to just continue the conversation longer, um, but I'm going to actually invite Corey to close us in a word of prayer and just thank you all for your insights and the ways that you've dived in. All right. Well, Haley, thank you as well for for, for leading this discussion. Um, so everyone can join me. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gathering of um, individuals who uh, recognize that we are on a journey, and um, it's hard to do this alone, um, but in community, we can go much further than we realized. Um, we thank you for this uh, this word to remind us that um, although the law was there for a reason, the law is not uh, the end. Uh, that there is life within uh, you, Heavenly Father, through um, your Son, Jesus Christ, who um, who uh, gave up his life for ours so that we may um, live forever uh, in your presence, God. And we give thanks for him. And we ask that you uh, nourish our bodies and our hearts with this word um, in this community time as well. We give, you, we give you all these thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. The Coliseum Podcast is a production of Campus to City Wesley, serving college-aged young adults in Jacksonville, St. Augustine, and Northeast Florida. Thank you to our host, our guests, our production staff for their work on this episode. We'll talk to you next week.